This physical science lesson is brought to you by the KwaZulu-Natal Department of Education. My name is Mr. Klaba. I'm from Gwamkaka High School. I'm teaching physical sciences. For today, I'm going to be teaching vertical projectile motion as well as momentum. I will cover the basic concepts, definitions, calculations, and graphical representations of motion. In mechanics, we normally talk about uh, the objects that are moving mostly horizontally and on an inclined plane. But in this case with VPM, as the term says, vertical projectile motion, the object is moving vertically upward or vertically downward, and it is launched or projected from a certain point. Then learners need to understand that if we are talking about a projectile, it is an object that is thrown vertically upwards or downwards, but it experiences the force of gravitation only. But if we are talking about free fall, free fall is the motion under which the only force acting on an object is the force of gravity. So with this topic, we are dealing with different equations, which are called equations of motion. And there are different scenarios. First scenario, maybe a ball is thrown from a cliff upwards, vertically upwards, with a velocity of 15 meters per second. A learner should be able to calculate the time taken by the ball from that point of launch to the maximum height. But if a ball is dropped from a height and it moves downwards, obviously learners should know that an object that is dropped, the initial velocity of that object is zero. So if the object is dropped from a certain height and it moves downwards, the velocity of that object increases. But if it's thrown vertically upwards, the velocity of that object decreases until it reaches zero. It's, the ball will stop momentarily at that maximum height and it comes back to the ground. So we have different graphs of motions. There's position time graph, velocity time graph, and acceleration time graph. So the basic concept uh, when we are dealing with vertical projectile motion is that we have a gravitational acceleration which is 9.8 meter per second squared downward. Because if an object is uh, on top of your hand, maybe a ball is on your hand, it means that the ball has more than one force. It's the normal force and the gravitational force because it is on top of your hand. As it leaves your hand, the ball will have now a new name, which is a projectile, because the only force that acts on it is the force of gravity. So now, when a learner is using the equations of motion, maybe during the exam, they should identify the unknown variables first and collect any other relevant data. They should be able to select an equation, then substitute correctly. They should also get an answer with a correct unit. If there's a need, they should indicate the direction. How are they going to indicate that the direction? If the question says calculate the velocity, then the learner should know that the answer to that question will need a magnitude as well as a direction because in grade 11 they've already learned that a vector is a physical quantity that has magnitude and direction and a velocity belongs to uh, the types of vectors, to the vectors. 
Let me make an example and give the questions afterwards. If a learner is given a problem where a stone is projected vertically upwards with an initial velocity of 15 meters per second, now the learner should have an imagination of a stone that is projected vertically upwards with a, an initial velocity of 15. Then, at the highest point, the very same stone will have a velocity of 0 meter per second if the initial position of the ball was A and the maximum point is B on its way back to the ground, maybe to the point of launch, that will be point C. So the learners should be able to calculate the time taken by the ball from the thrower's hand to the maximum height using the one of the equations of motion which says VF equals to VI plus A delta T. Those equations are found in the data sheet. VF equals to VI plus A delta T. Now, doing my, uh, my substitution, I'll have to put my 15 meter per second, which is the initial velocity of the ball that was thrown. The ball will change the direction at the maximum height. At that point, that point will be the final velocity of the ball, which is zero. So in an equation that is VF equals to VI plus A delta T, it means now I'm looking for the T, delta T, which is the time taken by the ball from point A to point B. That time taken will be calculated using that equation. After the substitution of zero as the final velocity and 15 meter per second as the initial velocity. Obviously, the ball was moving vertically upwards. So if the ball is 15, positive 15 meter per second, it means that the gravitational acceleration of the ball is going to be negative because the ball is moving vertically upwards and the gravitational acceleration is always downwards. Therefore, a learner will have zero equals to 15 plus open bracket, minus 9.8 delta T. Then if the learner takes that minus 9.8 delta T to the left, it becomes a positive 9.8 delta T, which is equated to 15. And the learner will divide by 9.8, both sides 15 divided by 9.8. It is going to give an answer of 1,53 seconds. That is the time taken by the ball to move from point A to point B. Then another question that is expected, and the examiners like those type of questions, is that what is the velocity of an object on its way back if it was thrown from a hand to the maximum height? What is the velocity of the ball on its way back? It's the same velocity, but now with different signs. I said the downward motion is treated as a negative because I've already mentioned the fact that the gravitational acceleration is minus 9.8 meter per second squared downwards. Therefore, anything that goes down will be treated as a negative. Therefore, the learner should be able to understand the signs. If an object is just dropped from a certain height, it is much easier for an object that is moving in one direction Every quantity will have the same direction. But if an object is moving up and down, it means the equation will have different signs. The initial velocity will never be the same as the final velocity, as it is going to be moving in different directions. Now, another thing that I, I want to mention 
is the fact that since there are three graphs that we are going to talk about, position time graph, velocity time graph, as well as acceleration time graph, if a learner is given a situation whereby there's a graph on the question paper, a learner should understand what is meant. Maybe it's a velocity time graph. The gradient of the graph means something. If it's a velocity time graph, the gradient represents the gravitational acceleration. So if the gradient is negative, it means that the gravitational acceleration is also negative. But if the gradient of that graph is positive, it also means that the gravitational acceleration is also positive. So it's much easier for the learners to understand the motion or the signs that were taken during that problem. So some of the problems that the learners are facing, it is when they are dealing with uh, two objects. For instance, if two objects are thrown maybe simultaneously, object A and object B. Object A is on top and object B is at the bottom. And these two objects, they are from the same height, the height of 30 meters maybe. But these two objects are 30 meters apart. Object A is moving with a velocity of 12 meters per second down but object B is moving with a velocity of 18 meters per second upwards. They are going to cover a distance of 30 meters, both of these two balls. So the learners are facing challenges when they have to deal with such problems because they are going to use simultaneous equations. But I've come up with another equation that is much simpler to calculate the time taken where the two balls are going to meet. So if you can remember, I've already mentioned that ball A was moving with a velocity of 12 meters per second, but the direction was down. And the second ball is moving with a velocity of 18 meters per second upward. They cover a distance or a height of 30 meters. So obviously, because of two different directions, a learner should be able to give one of the two velocities a a negative sign. In this case, I've made a 12 to be negative. So I'm going to have minus 12 meter per second down and 18 meter per second up. So how do I calculate time taken by these two balls to meet? It is much easier to calculate using the equation, which is height the two balls cover and the relative uh, velocities of the two balls. If I'm talking about the relative velocity, I'm talking about 18 and 12 meter per second. So I'm going to have an equation that is time equals to height over relative velocities. So the height is 30 meters and the relative velocity is 18 minus minus 12, which is 18 plus 12, which gives me 30. So the height is 30 and the relative velocities also give me 30. That will make one second because 30 divided by 30 gives me one second. So for these two balls to meet at some point, it is going to take them one second to meet. Another question that can be asked in an exam situation is to calculate how high above the ground will the two balls meet. So if the learners are asked that question, it will be easier now to answer that question because from the bottom to 
where the two balls are going to meet. It means the learner is going to use the equation related to ball B. The equation that is associated with this question is delta Y B in this case, because I'm talking about ball B, delta Y B equals to V initial delta T plus half A delta T squared. Then, in order for the learner to get the question right, they are going to write the initial velocity of ball B on its way up. The initial velocity of ball B was given as 18 meter per second. Then I write 18. Then the next one, there's delta T next to VI. It's the time taken by the two balls to meet, which was calculated to be one second. Then now plus half and minus 9.8 meter per second squared times one squared, which is delta T. So if I say 18, 18 times one is 18 minus half of 9.8 is 4.9. And what is one squared? It is one. Then I'm going to have 18 minus 4.9, which is 13.10 meters. So it means the two balls will meet um, above the ground 13.10 meters. So it's about seven marks, but it's not difficult to come up with a solution for that problem. Then I'm still continuing with the questions based on vertical projectile motion. The equations that are normally used besides VF equals to VI plus A delta T. That one, because it has three terms, it is normally three marks. The first question after the, the definition of projectile or free fall will be to calculate the time taken, which is plus yeah three marks. Then the next one to be used is that one I was talking about, delta Y equals to VIT plus half a t squared this one is normally used when one needs to calculate the height above the ground the height below the ground uh, it's it is related to height if there is no uh, final velocity but if the learner is given the final velocity they are going to use the equation vf squared equals to vi squared plus 2a delta y for for that equation, one will, would calculate um, delta Y, one can be able to calculate VI, one can calculate VF. So the learner needs to check first, what quantity am I looking for? Then after finding the quantity, they have to check which equation has that quantity that I'm looking for. Then they are going to be okay. Right. So learners, it, it is important when you are drawing your graph, even though drawing a graph, it's a bit uh, level three, level four question, but it's not that difficult to draw. Not that difficult to draw a graph, because uh, for uh, for an example, I was having two balls, ball A and ball B, and they were moving. They were moving in different directions. So if I had to draw a graph, one of the graphs should start from the other quadrant. It means the graphs will be on two different quadrants, quadrant one and quadrant four. The one that was moving up was a positive 18 meter per second. Now I will draw a graph from 18 downwards. Then that will mean 
the gradient or the gravitational acceleration is negative, and then it moves, the graph will go down. Then if I had to draw the, uh, the graph for a 12 meter, the, uh, a ball that, has, that is moving with 12 meter per second, it means I have to start at the bottom from quadrant four, and I draw another line, which is parallel to the one that I've already drawn. So if you happen to have a graph or two graphs in the same quadrant, it means that those two graphs or those two balls were moving in the same direction. But if the the objects were moving in different directions, it means the graphs need to come from different quadrants. I need. I, I just think I needed to clarify that one. Another thing that is very important is for the learners to understand the questioning technique. For instance, here I have a question which says, define the term free fall. Obviously, it's a definition every learner should be able to define according to the examination guideline. It should not be taken from any textbook but the exam guideline. And it's two marks. But now, in this problem, it says a ball is dropped from the top of a building 20 meter high. Now I have another building which is 20 meter high. A ball is dropped. What do they mean by drop? It means the initial velocity of the ball was zero. So what questions should a learner expect from the examiner? The learner should expect a question such as calculate the speed at which the ball hits the ground. And this one was for four marks. Now, what do I have? I have a height of 20 meters, which is delta y. What else? I know that I have my gravitational acceleration, which is 9.8 meter per second squared. What else? It's only those two. Now, do I need to go any further and look for the correct equation? Yes. A learner need to, needs to use one of these equations to calculate the speed at which the ball hits the ground. So, I have to choose one equation amongst the three that I've already mentioned. Vf equals to Vi plus A delta T. No, I do not have time, so I cannot use that one. Delta Y equals to Vi delta T plus half A delta T squared. No, I do not have time, so I cannot use this equation. But now I'm calculating the speed at which the ball hits the ground. Therefore, it means I'm looking for the final velocity. I have the initial velocity because the ball was dropped. It means the initial velocity was zero and the acceleration is 9.8 meter per second squared. And it covers a distance of 20 meters. So now a learner is able to get the final velocity because the initial velocity is zero then the learner will say 2 times 9.8 which is 19.6 times 20 then that becomes 392 root of 392 then that will be the final velocity of the ball and the learner is able to get a uh, four marks now the next question calculates the time it takes the ball to reach the ground now, the learner has the initial velocity of zero. The learner also has the final velocity. It's the initial and the final velocity. It means the learner will be able to get the time taken by the ball to reach the ground. 
Right. So I think those are important facts about the vertical projectile motion. I've already mentioned the fact that there are important basics. Uh, The definitions that are normally asked in an exam situation, it is projectile. And the next one is free fall. Learners should know that. Obviously, from the previous grades, a learner should be able to understand what is meant by acceleration and what is meant by displacement, what is meant by velocity. And they should remember that these quantities are vector quantities, but time is not a vector quantity. You cannot have a negative 1,02 seconds. It is highly impossible because time is a scalar quantity. Right. Then, as I move forward, uh, let me go straight to momentum. Momentum is one of the topics in paper one and it's normally question four so it's momentum and impulse that i'm going to talk about what is momentum momentum is the product of the mass and velocity of an object it is when an object is moving an object of mass is moving with velocity v at a certain direction so that is momentum what is the equation associated with momentum The equation that is associated with momentum is P equals to MV, which is normally found in the data sheet. P equals to MV. What are the units for momentum? How can a learner identify a a, a momentum problem? It can be identified because of the units, kilogram meter per second. As one can remember, the units for mass is kilogram and the units for velocity is meter per second and the product of the two is kilogram meter per second what is the relationship between the newton's second law and uh, momentum or impulse there's a, a relationship between the two because from newton's second law we all know that f net equals to ma if f net equals to ma there's an equation that is associated with acceleration taken from the vertical projectile motion, which says Vf minus Vi all over delta T. That is the representation of the acceleration. Then if one needs to write F net equals to Ma in terms of putting a final velocity, initial velocity and delta time, one needs to write F net equals to V final minus V initial all over delta T. Then if one cross multiplies, they will get F net delta T, which is equal to MVF minus MVI. So if you have MVF minus MVI, that is the change in momentum delta P. And change in momentum is regarded as impulse. What is the correct definition for the term impulse? Impulse is the product of the net force acting on an object and the time it takes to act on it. That is the relationship between the Newton's second law and this impulse. Then again, there's also another relationship between Newton's third law and the conservation of linear momentum. What is conservation of linear momentum? Conservation of linear momentum states that in an isolated system, the total linear momentum is conserved. What do I mean by isolated system? 
learners, it is important to know exactly the definitions from your exam guidelines. Isolated system is a system where there are no net external forces acting. I repeat, isolated system is a system where there are no net external forces acting on an object. Unlike when one is dealing with maybe Newton's third law, Newton's second law, where there's frictional force, uh, there's force applied, those are external forces. But if we are dealing with a momentum and conservation of linear momentum, we are dealing with an isolated system where there are no net external forces. So it is important for a learner to use the correct wording. If you leave out net, you are going to get zero out of two. But if you just mention you just state the correct definition, you'll get your two marks, right? And we also need to know something about the collision, the types of collision during which the, this momentum occurs. We have inelastic collision as well as elastic collision. Inelastic collision as well as elastic collision. What do I mean by inelastic collision? Inelastic collision is a collision where only momentum is conserved, but the kinetic energy of an object is not conserved. But when dealing with elastic collision, both momentum and kinetic energy are conserved. So if you are given a problem similar to the one that was written in, in March, and they ask you to prove that the, the collisions are inelastic or elastic. A learner should calculate separately the, the, the total kinetic energy of the two objects that are colliding before. Then get, get your answer. Then again, you start afresh calculating the final, kinetic, final total kinetic energy after collision. Then a learner needs to conclude and say the kinetic energy before, the total kinetic energy before is not equal if it's inelastic. But if it's elastic, the learner should say the sum of kinetic energy before is equal to the sum of kinetic energy after. I normally say if one says in, it means that is a negative statement. It's not elastic. Therefore, something is not conserved. What is it that is not conserved between momentum and kinetic energy? It is kinetic energy because momentum is always conserved during the conservation of linear momentum. Then I have another example here. A trolley of mass 2 kilogram is moving to the right and it will collide with a stationary trolley, which means the, the, the trolley was not moving initially. Then after collision, the two trolleys, they move as a single unit. They are now embedded on each other. They leech on each other. So those are the terms that the examiners like to use for, a, for objects that are moving as, a, as one unit. Now, I've said I have a 2 kg trolley that is moving to the right. And the velocity of the first trolley, which is 2 kg trolley, is 2 meter per second to the right. So the momentum of the first trolley already, I can see that is, it is 4 
kilogram meter per second to the right. Mind you, momentum is a vector quantity. It has magnitude and direction. But what about the second trolley? Before collision, the second trolley was stationary. So what is momentum? Actually, we all know that momentum is the product of mass and velocity. So the mass of the second trolley is 4 and the velocity of the second trolley is 0. So it means the momentum for the second trolley is 0. Now, which means the initial momentum before collision is 4. Then that should be equated to the total momentum after collision. Now, the two trolleys have embedded on each other. They leech on each other. So they move as a single unit. Mind you, I have a 2 kg block and a 4 kg block. The sum of 2 and 4 is 6. So now they move as a single unit. It means they are going to be moving at the same speed, same velocity. Then the learner needs to write the equation associated with conservation of linear momentum, which says the sum of initial momentum is equal to the sum of final momentum. I've already mentioned that the initial momentum is 4 kilogram meter per second, but now it's, it is equated to the sum of the masses, which is now 6. Then I have 6V, I divide by 6 on the right, I divide by 6 on the left. 4 over 6, it should be 0, 0,67 meter per second. Should I write the direction because I'm calculating the velocity of the two trolleys? Yes, because I'm calculating the, the velocity, it means I, I need to write the, the magnitude and direction because the velocity is a vector quantity. So my answer needs to be 0, 0,67 meter per second to the right. But... If the question was changed from what I've been asking now, then the question would say, calculate the speed of the two trolleys after collision. So if the question is like that, obviously the learner needs to understand that they are dealing with what? With a scalar quantity. So the answer will be 0, 0,67 meter per second without any direction. That was an example, the, the first scenario. If now the scenario changes, I have another problem here with me. Two trolleys again. It's a 2 kg trolley and a 4 kg trolley. They're very same trolleys, but now they're changing directions and even the velocities are now changing because I'm trying to make up another scenario because there are so many different questioning techniques in an exam situation. So now the first trolley, a 2 kg trolley, is moving with a velocity of 6 meters per second to the right. These two trolleys now, they collide head-on. They are moving in different directions. So a 2 kg trolley is moving to the right with a velocity of 6 meters per second, and a 4 kg trolley is moving to the left with a velocity of 1 meter per second. So now these two trolleys are going to collide head-on. Now, after collision, a 2 kg trolley, because of that collision, the velocity has decreased from 6 to 3. Now, the, the new velocity of this, the first trolley is 3 meter per second. Now, the question says, calculate the final velocity of the second trolley after collision. We use the same equation, conservation of linear momentum equation, which is taken from your data sheet. The sum of initial momentum is equal to the sum of final uh, momentum. 
what is the initial momentum of the first trolley? I said the first trolley was moving at a velocity of 6 and the mass is 2, which means I have 12 kilogram meter per second for the first trolley. And mind you, I've already taken the direction that goes to the right as a positive. So that is why my velocity is treated as a positive, which means anything that goes to the left is going to be treated as a negative. Then to calculate the momentum of a second trolley, uh, momentum is P equals to MV. So it's four times minus one now because of the direction. What is four times minus one? Four times minus one is minus four. Therefore, you are going to have 12 minus four, which is the initial momentum. 12 minus four, which gives me eight. That means the initial momentum of the two trolleys before collision, it was eight kilogram meter per second. Then after collision, a two kg trolley was now moving at three meter per second. So it means the, the momentum is six kilogram meter per second to the right. Mind you, I'm still using the positive sign because the, the direction that goes to the right is treated as a positive. And luckily, the two trolleys are now moving to the right. So I expect to have a, a po positive velocities. Uh, the answer should be positive, obviously. Then I say, after collision, I have six plus what is the momentum for the se uh, second trolley after collision? It is four, which is the mass times V, which is unknown. Then I take eight as the answer for the initial momentum. I subtract the six and I get a two. So I have two equals to four V, which gives me 0 0.5 meter per second. And I should specify the direction. Uh, it's 0 0.5 meter per second to the right. But if the question was asking me about uh, maybe the speed, I was going to have 0 0.5 meter per second without any direction. Now, let me talk about the real life situation. If we are talking about airbags, what do, do they mean? Uh, what are they used for? In this case, and in momentum, we understand that the airbags are used normally to increase the time at which the net force acts on an object for the same change in momentum. So it means if you have F net equals to delta T, delta P over delta T, which is the equation associated to impulse, F net equals to delta P over delta T, or F net delta T equals to delta P. If they say for the same change in momentum, they mean the impulse remains constant. Or what will happen to F net if the time taken changes? So it means if you decrease the time, time taken, what will happen to the net force? The net force will increase because the two are inversely proportional. So if you do vice versa and increase the time taken, what will happen to the net force? The net force is going to decrease. So the main aim here for the apex is to decrease the net force so that by re reducing the net force, it means you are reducing the injuries. So that is why they have built the apex inside our cars for, for our protection. So 
airbags increase the time at which the net force acts on an object for the same change in momentum and an increase in the time of contact decreases the magnitude of the net force then those are very important points about uh, momentum so this is question four it's it's much easier to answer this question. There are no complications. You need to remember the basic concept as a learner. You need to remember everything that needs to be remembered in momentum. But I can also mention a few things in multiple choice, though. Uh, in multiple choice, they like these questions to relate different quantities. Maybe let me talk about kinetic energy. All of us know that kinetic energy is the energy of motion and kinetic energy is given by half mv squared. Ek equals to half mv squared. So by looking at that expression or that equation, half mv squared can be written as half mvv. Why do I write half mvv? I've expanded v squared into v times v. Then I get a chance to see within this expression that I have mv, which is momentum. Momentum is the product of mass and velocity. So now it means if the equation kinetic energy equals to half mvv, it means I can have half pv because mv is momentum. Therefore, one can express the velocity in terms of kinetic energy and momentum. So I have half PV equals to kinetic energy. So to express the velocity of an object in terms of kinetic energy and momentum, I divide by half P both sides, then I'm left with the velocity. I divide with half P, then I'll get the velocity of an object, which is equal to 2 times EK over momentum. So that is a question that is normally asked in a multiple choice. So if one needs to express the velocity in terms of kinetic energy and momentum, it means velocity is equal to 2 times kinetic energy all over momentum. But if they are looking for the momentum in terms of kinetic energy and, and, and velocity, it means they are going to make P the subject of the formula. Then it means momentum is equal to 2 times kinetic energy all over velocity so i think that is the most important part regarding the momentum i'd like to thank you for your time for listening to these two topics and good luck with everything that physical science lesson was brought to you by the kwazulu natal department of education